Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And there's weird stuff going on with regard to science. I mean, just really weird stuff. First of all, Louise and I got a flu shot day before yesterday. I say this because this headline in the Daily Beast today, last year's flu shot sucked. This year's could save your life. Last year, roughly 80 thousand Americans died from flu. And so there's two things that they add to vaccines. One is the preservative. And we've talked about that before. We talked to Bobby Kennedy about it. It's called uh, the the principal one is uh, the Marisol, which is made out of mercury. And you can get vaccines without the Marisol, without the preservative, if you just ask for the single dose vaccine, which typically at the pale, you know, an extra 10 bucks for. But if you just say, I want the single dose, no preservative vaccine, then you don't get mercury injected into your body. But there's another compound in vaccines, which is called the adjuvant, A-D-J-U-V-A-N-T. And what it does is it, it stimulates the body's immune system to respond. Now, back in the 19th century and before that, the way that they treated syphilis was with mercury. And they would give people mercury if they had syphilis. And the reason it worked over the short term was that these heavy metals caused the body's immune system to go, holy crap, what's this? Throw everything at it. And it just cranks the immune system to the point where any infection in its way gets wiped out, at least temporarily. Now, the syphilis would always come back because it's very persistent. And then people would have both syphilis and mercury poisoning and they'd be going insane. Right. Or getting nervous tics or all, all these other things. So that didn't work all that well. So, uh, so anyhow, what the adjuvant does is it does the same thing. It makes the immune system crazy. And now they use a salt of, um, of aluminum. It's called alum. And they add this to vaccines. And, and there's a, the, this concern that that's one of the reasons why we're having this explosion of allergies in the United States that literally did not exist when I was a kid. I didn't, you know, I went through, you know, 11 years of the public school system and didn't have a single friend who had a severe allergy. I mean, literally not one. I didn't, you know, inhalers, all this stuff. I didn't, this is back in the 50s and 60s. I didn't know anybody. And then we just radically increased the number of vaccines we're giving kids, which means we're hitting their bodies over and over and over again with this aluminum, which causes the immune system to go, holy crap, what am I supposed to fight? And if they happen to be being held by a doctor who's got latex gloves, or if the vaccine, the the vaccine itself is produced with peanut oil, which is the main thing that is used to develop vaccines in the United States, guess what? Peanut allergies, latex allergies, all these kind of things. In Israel, where the vaccines are made with sesame oil, there's an explosion right now in sesame allergies, but they have no peanut allergies. Here in the United States, we have this explosion in peanut allergies, no sesame allergies. There's a reason for this. Anyhow, I'm telling you all this because the vaccine for people over 65 who get the flu vaccine this year is four times as strong as the regular vaccine. It's 125 micrograms of, you know, killed flu virus, but it has no adjuvant in it because people over 65 are fragile. So they give them four times as much virus, no preservative, no adjuvant. So I was actually enthusiastic about getting my flu shot yesterday. Anyhow, in the larger picture of science, here's what the Trump administration is up to right now. 
they're floating new regulations for the EPA. Actually, let me back up a little bit. There's a guy who runs against Peter DeFazio here in Oregon for the, the southwestern part of Oregon every two years. He, Art Robinson runs against Peter. I'm guessing he is again this year. I think he was the head of the Republican Party here in Oregon for a while. Might be now. And Art Robinson used to be a high school chemistry teacher or science teacher. And his concept is that if we're all exposed to a little bit of radiation all the time, eventually we kind of develop an immunity. It's sort of the vaccine theory of radiation. And it's kind of a good thing for us. It stimulates our immune system to repair itself, to be under, under assault. And with regard to viruses and bacteria, there's actually some, you know, there's, there's science that kind of looks like that. But not with regard to radiation. Radiation destroys DNA. And there's no way that the body can say, oh, well, you know, we need antibodies for this. You don't produce antibodies to prevent the destruction of DNA. In fact, there's nothing that will prevent the destruction of DNA. But Art Robinson actually suggested that the way to solve the problem of nuclear waste was to put it, it was to mix it with fiberglass and put it into the insulation in everybody's home. So all of us are getting a little bit of radiation all the time. And the nuclear waste problem is solved because now that nuclear waste is spread all over the country in all of our homes. Brilliant idea, right? Well, Edward Calabrese appears to have the same idea. He's a toxicologist at UMass Amherst. And the Trump administration has decided to have him be the lead scientist on all this stuff. And so they are now rolling back, or they're proposing to roll back radiation exposure guidelines. And they are deleting all the reference to radiation damage on their website. They did have guidelines that said, quote, there is some cancer risk from any exposure to radiation, which, by the way, is true. There is no safe minimum amount of radiation, period. Dental x-rays, chest x-rays, there is no 100% safe amount of x-ray radiation. Zero. Every bit has a, has a slight risk. Now, it may be such a slight risk that it's outweighed by the benefit of the x-rays. I've certainly had x-rays knowing this. Because I figured, hey, the benefit is you know, greater than the risk. But, but anyhow, they used to say that there's always some. Now they have replaced this with radiations uh, exposures up to the equivalent of 25 chest x-rays usually result in no harmful health effects. So Dana Milbank has uh, written this piece over at the Washington Post saying that, uh, you know, instead of exercising every day, I'll sleep with a running microwave on my nightstand. Even better, the same rules will apparently apply to chemicals, writes Dana Milbank. For added longevity, I suggest raid salad dressing. And then this is, the, you know, basically he calls this the NBD model. No big deal. Yeah, radiation, no big deal. Oh, poison in your food, no big deal. You don't need organic foods, pesticides, no big deal. He says there's really no problem to freeze federal fuel efficiency standards. This is what the Trump administration is saying, that they can roll back the fuel efficiency standards that Obama put into place, even though it's going to increase the amount of greenhouse gases going into the atmosphere. Why? Because the administration reasons the planet's temperature is already set to rise by 7 degrees Fahrenheit by the end of the century, so a little bit of more warming won't matter. 7 degrees Fahrenheit is going to make this planet inhospitable for civilization. Possibly for humankind, but certainly for civilization. Massive climate refugees, huge crises all over the country. This is what the Trump administration is setting us up for. And they're doing it by saying, oh, science, no big deal. But it really gets back to hundreds of millions of dollars from billionaires and big polluting corporations being poured into the, into the support of Brett Kavanaugh. And everybody's like, gee, why is he suddenly popular? Why are Democrats, you know, Heidi Heidkamp and Joe Manchin, why are they suddenly in trouble? It's because of that. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And Claire McCaskill, the billionaires pour the money into television advertising, and it shifts public opinion. It's why Tide advertises. It's why everybody advertises. This story, this is really quite remarkable in Common Dreams, making abundantly clear that they will stop at nothing to destroy net neutrality for good. Four telecom lobbying groups representing the nation's most powerful Internet providers and cable companies yesterday sued the state of California, saying... You know, how dare you limit our ability to exploit our customers? <laughs> you know, California just passed the gold standard legislation, basically taking us back to where we were before Ajit Pai and, and you know, the old Verizon lobbyist, who's now the head of the FCC, blew up the telco regulations. It used to be that, that uh, the, uh, and in fact, under Tom Wheeler, who himself was a telecommunications lobbyist, um, but he, he got religion and he said, okay, we're going to say that the Internet is the same thing as phone companies. 
Phone companies are public utilities. If you're talking on the phone to somebody, the phone company cannot listen into your phone call without a court order. And they cannot, and if they could listen into your phone call, and technically they can, they cannot say, oh, he's talking to somebody about business. We'll charge him two cents a minute. Oh, he's talking to grandma. We'll charge him 25 cents a minute. You can't, phone companies can't do that. They can't say the content flowing through here is something that we're going to base prices on. And so the FCC said, you know, the internet's pretty much the same thing. It's a public utility. It's part of the commons. It's something we all use, we all need. And, and you know, small and new companies need it to start up. And uh, so that was, the, that was the rule until Pai blew it up. Over a million people tried to post comments on the FCC's website. And the FCC ignored them. They said, oh, gee, we've got a virus. No, it wasn't a virus. It was a million people trying to say, keep net neutrality. And Ajipai lied about that. I mean, we now know that. He's, he's basically, you know, uh, kind of walked it back. In fact, the FCC is trying to figure out what do we do. Plus, there were all these phony comments on there. And, we, and now we know that a lot of these actually were posted by bots in Russia on the FCC's website before the, you know. So, so anyhow, it's, uh, Senate Bill 822, the new law in California. This is uh, what uh, Evan Greer, who's been on this program many times, uh, deputy director of Fight for the Future, said. Uh, she said, big telecom companies hate the California net neutrality bill because it prevents them from screwing their customers more than they already do. It's no surprise that they're suing, but it does make it even more blatant and clear that Jeff Sessions and Ajit Pai are working directly on behalf of big cable in trying to block basic consumer protection legislation that passed with overwhelming bipartisan support. So that's what's going on there. This is from NPR, National Public Radio, by Colin Dwyer. The Trump administration's response to the LGBTQ community. The State Department is implementing a policy denying visas to diplomats' same-sex partners if they're not legally married. They've reversed course on this. The Obama administration and, and frankly, the Bush administration allowed diplomats overseas who said, okay, this is my partner. Uh, we're not married. We can't get married. And that's how it used to be, you know, before the Obama. Before the Ogilver, I can't, I can never pronounce it, Oberfeld decision of the Supreme Court. But uh, the, the State Department is now saying, no, we're not going to do that unless you guys are actually married. Meanwhile, the rights page, there, there was a page on the, web, on the White House website, whitehouse.gov, that was about the rights, your rights as, an, as a gay person or as an LGBTQ person in the United States. And in some states you have specific rights, in other states you don't. Under federal laws you have some rights, in other areas you don't. And it laid it all out. That site has been removed. Donald Trump had said he was opposed to gay marriage. Mike Pence is not just opposed to gay marriage, he's opposed to the gay people existing and uh, has taken very, very strong positions on this throughout his life. And so that's what's going on with that. So I, I just, uh, it increasingly, seems that these so-called cultural issues are being used by the, by the Kochs and the other billionaires who are funding the Republican Party and who by and large now own the Republican Party. Keep in mind, Americans for Prosperity and the Koch network has more funding than the Republican Party, has more offices around the United States than the, than the Republican Party, has more employees than the Republican Party, and has more volunteers than the Republican Party. And they are the ones who in this election have said that they're gonna pour 300, just this one group, $300 million into the election, and it's starting right now. It starts with October 1st. It's pouring in right now. And guess what we're seeing? We're seeing, you know, Heidi Heidkamp, suddenly she's losing in North Dakota. Claire McCaskill, suddenly in Missouri, she's losing in Missouri. Uh, you know, Joe Manchin, he's still ahead in West Virginia, but we'll see. Uh, and increasingly Democrats around the country, particularly Democrats who might vote against Brett Kavanaugh. And Heidkamp just, was it Heidkamp, Louise? Heidkamp just came out and said she's a no vote. So you don't need to call her, but the number, if you want to call the Senate, is 202-225-3121, 202-225-3121. So anyhow, the Koch brothers have said that they're going to spend $300 million on these midterm elections, and that's on the elections. They helped fund this thing called the Judicial Crisis Network. It was started back in 2004. And I, I'm guessing, by the way, if you ever watch CNN or MSNBC and you're, if you're in a state, I, I'm here in Oregon, which is not a swing state at all, and I'm seeing these ads on MSNBC from the Judicial Crisis Network. Oh, Brett Kavanaugh is being smeared. There's no backup. The people who are there say it never happened. I mean, this is 
pretty much, it's not verbatim, but it's the essence of what these ads are saying. You know, how dare they criticize this good man? We can't have that. It's a terrible thing. And that's, you know, become the message. This, uh, the, the Judicial Crisis Network started out as another organization by the name of the Judicial Confirmation Network. It started out in 2004. It was funded by a whole bunch of right-wing foundations, right-wing billionaires, including the Kochs and the Koch Network. And it's run by people heavily affiliated with the Kochs and the Koch Network. And it was put into place to advance the nominations of Sam Alito and John Roberts. First Roberts, then Alito, as I recall, during the Bush administration. And then when Obama was elected, they changed the name from Judicial Confirmation Network, like we're going to help confirm judges. They changed the name to the Judicial Crisis Network. Koch funded, among others, you know, a bunch of the right-wingers and the billionaires uh, backing this, which started out as the, the Judicial Confirmation System or whatever it was called back in 2004 to get John Roberts and Sam Alito on the court. Two Federalist Society, good toadies for the billionaire class. And now we've got Gorsuch, and now we're about to get Kavanaugh. And then we've, of course, got Clarence Thomas on the court. And so that'll make a solid five Federalist, right-wing, hardcore. And I believe they're all Catholic. Catholic votes on the court, right? Roberts is Catholic. Alito's Catholic. Thomas converted to Catholicism. Scalia converted him. Kavanaugh is Catholic. I think Gorsuch is Catholic. I'm, I'm not certain. I, I'm pretty sure he is because there's not a Protestant on the court right now. It's all either Catholics or Jews. So... This is, uh, this is getting weird. And they, quote, fought to block Obama's nominees and spent millions to sway state judicial and attorney general races to uphold conservative-backed laws. This is from conservativetransparency.org, a website, a wiki that uh, reports on right-wing groups. The Koch connection, the JCN relied on funding totaling nearly not, $4 million from the Koch-founded Wellspring Committee. The founder of JCN, Ann Corky, and key underwriter Robin Arkey went to fundraising and policy retreats put on by the Koch brothers. And then, you know, it just goes on and on from there. So what is the result of this? Well, the money is starting to pour into the elections right now. It's starting with Kavanaugh as the excuse. They're running pro-Kavanaugh, anti-McCaskill, pro-Kavanaugh, anti-Heidkamp, uh, anti-Joe Manchin, or implicitly anti-ads. Yeah, you know, on TV all across the country. And when you spend hundreds of millions of dollars, now we don't know if hundreds of millions of dollars are going into this particular campaign, probably a lot less than that. But when you spend millions of dollars to influence public opinion, what happens? Why are there people advertising on television? I mean, the pharmaceutical companies do it because, hey, you know, they want to sell product. The travel companies do it because they want to sell product. The, the, you know, wayfarers of the world, the, 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 the sale, you know, direct sale to you product companies, retail companies, they do it because they want to sell product. And they keep doing it because they do sell product. I mean, the, you know, there's a reason that, for example, Superbeats has been underwriting this program for two years. I use Superbeats. I like Superbeats. I talk about it in the ads. And guess what? It sells product. It makes them money. So why would ads for Brett Kavanaugh not sway opinion into the direction of Brett Kavanaugh? Of course they would. Advertising works. If it didn't work, it would have gone away in the 1940s. I mean, it works. Obviously, the Kavanaugh ads are, shall we say, incomplete, as are the Republican talking points. Oh, the FBI has interviewed hundreds of people in his lifetime. Well, what does that have to do with this? Nothing or marginally nothing. But this is about health care. This is the uh, Wakatal Torres Small is the Democrat running in Mexico's second congressional district. And the voiceover in the ad from Paul Ryan's super PAC that gets money from the billionaires, the same billionaires who are funding the Judicial Crisis Network that's running these ads saying, oh, poor Mr. Kavanaugh, poor Brett Kavanaugh. So the voiceover in this ad against the Democrat who wants to become Representative Small says, Slotkin's plan is to take most everything we have and give it away. We paid into this system. Why would she want to take this away from us? Well, if the we we're talking about is the billionaire class, maybe, I don't know. But 
for Zoxtil Torres Small, and my apologies, I'm, I'm sure I'm mangling the name, is under the health care plan, Zoxtil Torres Small supports, employer-based health coverage would be eliminated, forcing everyone into a massive government-run system, putting Washington bureaucrats in charge. Yeah, it's called Medicare for All. But the weird thing is, Small doesn't actually support Medicare for All. So they're accusing Small of supporting basically Bernie Sanders' plan when, in fact, Small doesn't support it. Anthony Brindisi, he's the Democrat running in New York's 22nd Congressional District. This is Sherry, an elderly woman speaking in the Congressional Leadership Fund ad. This is one of Paul Ryan's ads. Anthony Brindisi wants to make everyone eligible for Medicare, and that's a $32 trillion budget buster. Brindisi's plan would end Medicare as we know it. Well, actually, there's a grain of truth to that. It would end Medicare and replace it with Medicare for all. And yes, it would cost $32 trillion. Right now, we're spending $38 trillion. So wouldn't it be a good idea to save some money? But, you know, somehow all that stuff gets deleted from the ad because the ad's been paid for by these billionaires and Paul Ryan who wants to destroy Medicare. He's made it the mission of his life to destroy Medicare and Social Security. Here's the uh, voiceover in an NRCC ad attacking candidate Elaine Luria. She's a Democrat running in Virginia's 2nd District. Elaine Luria is quietly committed to step toward a big government takeover of health care. It would cost $32 trillion. It could double the amount of taxes every individual and business pays, ending Medicare as we know it. All true. It would replace Medicare with Medicare for all. We would all save a lot of money. The taxes on big corporations and rich people would go up. The taxes on average working people might go up slightly. But we're not going to have to spend $1,000 per month per person for health insurance or whatever it may be for you and your, and your family. We would save money under this program, which is why every other developed country in the world has adopted single-payer Medicare or some variation thereof. In fact, Glenn Kessler, the fact checker at the Washington Post, said the ad is designed to frighten, even as it poses a logical absurdity. What mother is not going to realize that the nation's health care system had completely changed since the last called the doctor? There's an even bigger absurdity. Torres Small is being attacked for supporting a plan that she does not even support. So it goes in this year's cycle of attack ads. With numbing similarity, ads produced by the NRCC, the Congressional Leadership Fund affiliated with House Speaker Paul Ryan, and individual Republican candidates all charge Democrats as supporting a universal health care plan backed by Bernie Sanders, even if the Democrats are not supporters of the plan. We found at least 15 candidates attacked this way in recent weeks, but surely we missed many. And so guess what? A week ago, Senator Heidi Heitkamp was down by four points. She is now down by 12 points in North Dakota. Kevin Kramer is the Republican challenging her. He's now ahead by 12 points. Missouri rising action, a super PAC backing Republican Josh Hawley yesterday got numbers from pollster Jim McLaughlin. This is from Axios showing Hawley's lead over Senator Claire McCaskill. In June, McCaskill was leading Hawley 46 to 42. Now, Hawley, the Republican, is leading Claire McCaskill 52 to 44. That makes it virtually a certainty that Claire McCaskill is going to lose and that Heidi Heitkamp is going to lose. In July, this, uh, this is from an NPR PBS uh, NewsHour Marist poll released yesterday. They said the wide Democratic enthusiasm advantage that has defined the 2018 campaign up to this point has disappeared. Now, why would that be? Well, $300 million from the Koch brothers, millions and millions of dollars from their buddies. They note in July, there was a 10-point gap between the number of Democrats and Republicans saying the November elections were very important. In other words, 10% more Democrats said, this is an important election. I'm going to go out and vote. It's now down to a statistical tie. All of this money coming in from the Judicial Crisis Network and from, from other groups, much of it for Brett Kavanaugh, much of it just plain old dishonest. And this is where it gets really extraordinary. The Trump tax cut unlocks millions for Republican election blitz. This is from an article back in August 18th in the New York Times by Jim Tankersley and Michael Tackett. The tax cuts are helping the Republican Party by unlocking tens of millions of dollars in campaign donations from the wealthy conservatives and corporate interests that benefited handsomely from it. The Congressional Leadership Fund, a super PAC closely aligned with Speaker Paul Ryan, has been flooding the airwaves about congressional races. The donors to this fund include Shelley Adelson, who was given $30 million, 
And his company, Las Vegas Sands, reported a nearly $700 million windfall from the tax law earlier this year. Timothy Mellon, chairman and majority owner of Pan Am Systems, privately held collection of companies that includes rail aviation and marketing services, contributed $24 million to Paul Ryan's group. Valero Services, Texas oil refining company, reported a $1.9 billion benefit from the GOP tax scam just in the first quarter has given one and a half million a collection of other corporations, executives, and financial fund managers all donating money. So this money from the tax cut is going into this advertising campaign that is being coordinated by Paul Ryan. And now in today's Washington Post, the fact checker, Glenn Kessler, pointing out race after race after race where this Republican group and the National Republican Campaign Committee are actually lying in ads about what the Democrats are running on. And I mean, they've, they've just got example after example after example of Republican lies. Uh, obviously, you know, they're lying about Brett Kavanaugh, and now they're actually lying about the position that these Democrats are taking. And the media is not calling it out. The media is not saying, hey, why are the Republicans lying? Because they always do, right? So it's not news. Where did all the money come from? It came from the GOP tax scam. Well, that's not news either. You know, our network's got a lot of that money. And, you know, a lot of us make millions of dollars a year on television. And so we, we got a lot of that. But we're not going to talk about that. This is what's going on right now. And everybody's acting like, holy cow, we're amazed. We're mystified. How is it that suddenly in many of these states, there's this sudden shift to love Brett Kavanaugh and to hate the Democrats? Could it have something to do? with hundreds of millions of dollars starting to pour into the campaign. It always comes in in October, right? The last minute money, it always comes in in October. It's coming in right now. It is October and we're rolling along. This is the Tom Hartman program. And now the uh, Republicans are tweeting lies and I'll use that word intentionally as Dick Durbin basically has about uh, Kavanaugh. BlindsGalore.com was the first place you could buy custom window treatments online, and because of that, they know what they're doing. They've been doing this for over 20 years and have covered over 2 million windows and know exactly how to get you the right blinds at the right price. They make it easy. They made it easy for Louise and me to go in and order. It was a breeze. It will be for you, too. Blinds Galore's products are hand-built from scratch, delivered right to your door, and created just for your windows. Their expert team is happy to help you every step of the way, either online or over the phone. Plus, they have the industry's best guarantee. If you don't like your custom blinds or shades for any reason, wrong color, you measured wrong, you don't like the style, you can exchange it for another covering for free. Blinds Galore will even set you up with 15 free samples and free shipping on top of the free expertise. It doesn't get any better than that. Blinds Galore makes it easy to get the custom blinds and shades you've always wanted in your home. Go check out BlindsGalore.com and let them know we sent you. That's BlindsGalore.com. Pick up your phone calls here. Denise in Chicago, listening on iTunes. Hey, Denise, what's up? Hey, Chopper. So I just want to tell you, I saw you on Bill Maher, and you were brilliant. Well, thank you. And um, So is Bill. Yeah, but you know what? I, it, what's that? I said, so is Bill. He, he deserves a lot of credit yeah, for having yeah. a show 15 years now. Very popular. He does a great job. His, his producer, his team, they're all great. They're, they're really, really yeah, smart absolutely. people. Yeah, absolutely. I get HBO just for that reason. But, um, Me too. So, so I can get to more callers. Um, I, I just wanted to get your opinion and see if I was getting into crazy land the way I'm thinking. But, you know, Trump has clearly hijacked the DOJ with the FBI investigation and limiting the scope. And we really didn't even know what the true, true investigation included. To me, that's a clear abuse of power, and it's a crime against me as an American and every other American, uh, especially women. And, you know, he did not allow true due process, even though I think you even quoted earlier a, a statement he made, or maybe I saw it on, on Twitter or something, where he said that he gave due process, which is, which is another lie. He really didn't. So is this another sign, you know, as the GOP remains complicit, and uh, for, for their political reasons. But, you know, it seems like we've moved the, bar, the, the, the red line again, you know, against you know, this president becoming a dictatorship, as well as the nominee, or, you know, Kavanaugh, being put in, and you know, won't get all the minutiae about him, but 
roll that up with Kavanaugh, it's really kind of scaring me. I'm honest, guessing this is why... Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Denise, and I agree with you. And I'm guessing that this is why the Obama administration did not say to James Comey, no, you may not have a news release about Hillary Clinton's emails. No, you may not open an investigation about her emails on Anthony Weiner's uh, computer, uh, even though they were just, you know, copies. And it was no, there was no there there, literally. But and, and frankly, I think maybe the Obama administration, you know, you could have made a case that they should have said to the FBI, don't do this. We're six weeks out from an election. But the FBI did it. And, and, and now and I and I think the reason that they allowed that to happen is because one of the first things that a dictator does, an Erdogan, a Duterte, Orban in Hungary, a Putin, you know, the, right. the first thing that a strong man leader in a country does when they are in the process of eroding democratic norms and and installing you know basically an oligarchy is they seize control of the, of the police uh, and as right. the police first the courts second right and and they get the police on their side in duterte's case he gets the police on his side by saying hey you can kill people no penalty Ten thousand people now have been killed in the philippines since duterte said that um mostly low-level uh, drug and users and and so and go ahead I was just going to mention, um, you know, our, our the German individual. I know you don't like to automatically go there, but Hitler did the same thing. Yes. I mean, he very much so. Um, anyways, I, I interrupted you. My apologies. No, no, it's good. It's good. That's what a conversation is. People interrupt each other. Um, yeah, I agree with you. And in fact, the administration is now declaring war on, on gay people as well as people of color. Right. Yeah. Denise, thank you for the call. And thanks for, for uh, listening to us there in Chicago. I appreciate it. Oh, it says there's somebody who wants to disagree with me. Jim in Seattle. Hey, Jim, what do you disagree with me about? You know, I, I wanted to disagree with you on two things. Number one, a prostitute is someone who takes money in exchange for sex, and that's exactly what Stormy Daniels does and any other one who's actress in the porn industry. I, I think you really need to uh, admit that to yourself. Um, the only difference between her and someone walking the street is... Uh, probably a W-2 or a 1099 form. No, I think that there's um, a huge difference. The people who are acting in the porn industry are acting, and they're acting sex. And yes, they're paid for it. But it's not, it's it's not a situation. No, pornography, the, the, pornography is different from prostitution. Prostitution is a system, is a system that, that you know, largely exploits women. And, I mean, you know, we can get into a, into a discussion about prostitution and whether it should be illegal or legal. Right now, prostitution is illegal in the United States. Making pornography is legal in the United States. So she is not engaged in prostitution. That would be a crime. Making porn is not a crime. There is a clear legal distinction. Now, you can say, Jim, that for you, there's not a moral distinction. And I understand that. And I'm not going to debate that with you because you're entitled to your own morality. For me, I see a moral distinction as well. And uh, although, you know, the fact that she slept with Donald Trump suggests that at the very least she's promiscuous. But so what? You know, I was promiscuous when I was young. Lots of people are promiscuous. I mean, you know, that, that, that's a dimension of human, hum, you know, human sexuality and humanity. Back to you, Jim. Yeah, well, moral, moral relativism aside, uh, I respect your opinion. And uh, I, I, I don't think this I, is relativism. I'm saying that there's clear boundaries. Okay, Tom. All right. Well, I think you, you made an excellent point. I still, uh, I'm still going to hold to my position, but I, I like your point. Uh, the other thing uh, I wanted to disagree with you with is uh, you had a caller a while ago that was talking about uh, the uh, uh, kind of the, the the fashion. I think was the term he used that that uh, that women wear these days. And I really don't think you gave him a chance to express himself. I, I kind of agree with him and disagree with you on this. He said situation. it three times in a row. I gave him a lot of chances, Jim. He basically said, you know, he's seen more and more women's skin and, and that's why men are misbehaving. I don't, well, you know, yeah, that, but if that's, gotta, if that's the gotta, case, men have got a big problem. Well, I, I, you know what, maybe we do. Um, because, uh, you know, if you, if you look at the way uh, women are dressed these days. Uh, it can be very distracting for a man, and it's uh, it's just a biological thing that you know we're stimulated visually. There's and, a difference uh, between being distracted, Jim, and yes, advertising uses that all the time. You see that on television. There's a difference between distracted or even enticed, and giving somebody license to rape you. There's a huge difference. Pure in Harstel, Colorado. Hey, Pure, thanks for watching Free Speech. Hi, What's up? 
Hi, Tom. Um, I just wanted to make a comment for the poor gentleman, Jim, that finds that us provocative women out here are just encouraging so much. So when if I may, that, if I may appear real quickly, for people who just tuned in, Jim in the last hour called in and said these women have to stop wearing provocative clothing and showing so much of their skin. He was freaked out about that. Well, anyway, um, one of the things that really bugged me was it reminded me of a book I read by James Cavell called Whirlwind, and it was about um, Iran in the 70s, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And they went into a lot about the Muslim religion and why the women were covered up. And it dawned on me, oh, my God, these poor men had no self-control. So yeah. obviously that's why Muslim women had to be covered up. And now I hear a guy in our own country say stuff like that. After we have to watch all these commercials for Victoria's Secrets and all the stuff that's out there for advertising for girls. You well, know? I think that's what he's, and, he's objecting to. Yeah, well, I ho- that's fine, but, you know. It's bizarre. I just don't understand. I, you know, it's, it's, I, I guess it's, yeah, go ahead, it, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm, it's, you're, go, go for it. Yeah, I just I just don't understand why you know I, I, this is such a scary time right now, and I just don't understand why women get the blame for everything all the time. And I, I just we cannot win for losing. If you let yourself go, then they criticize you for that. And if you don't, and yet they don't want to pay for birth control, they don't want to seem to um, take care of the rape and all the stuff that's going on out there. And yet we're supposed to accept this. And be good little women and, you know, not. Yeah. No, that's, you know, that's the storyline, right? That's 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 how uh, that that particular perspective, that segment of our society wants women to be. It's it's bizarre. Hila and Sino, yes. California. Hey, you're on the air. What's yes. on your mind? Actually, in confirmation of your last caller, I grew up in 70s in Iran and street harassment was. Uh, very prevalent, and uh, as women, that we wanted to be free as girls. I was a little, I was a young girl that time, and uh, we wanted to be free, what to wear and uh, how to wear our clothing. We would constantly get attacked by men in uh, inside the, you know, in Tehran street. Mm-hmm. And if you would um, complain, they say, "Lady, look at you! You're wearing mini skirt. You're wearing this." And there was no accountability. We had to defend ourselves. I got sometimes in the fist fight with some boys in the, mm. in the street. My warning to United States is, and, and also, uh, right now, women in Iran are wearing hijab and they still get harassed in the street. Mm. It has nothing to do with what you wear. Go ask any women in Iran right now. So religion, well, religiosity and religion are the root of a lot of evil. I'm not saying all evil, a lot of evil, especially it can be used against anybody in, uh, you know, in the marginal uh, community. Yeah. And women, of course, they were marginal. They were big, 50% of the population, but they felt they were marginalized. Their um, testimony doesn't amount the same. Uh, it doesn't have the same value as the male uh, testimony in the courts, in Islamic courts. And what I'm seeing, because I grew up in that environment, with the corruption, with the uh, Shah and his acolyte pillaging, then Khomeini comes and his acolyte pillaging, and mm. using uh, religion and uh, the righteousness of religion to do so. Uh, I'm, I'm not seeing a very good future for United States if this keeps continuing, because I've been there. My radar tells yeah. me this is not right. I've seen corruption in my life. I've seen dictatorship. I, I was 25 when I came here as a refugee, and uh, I, it was a blessing that I could walk in the streets of the United States without getting harassed physically. So, Hela... And, if, if I may, uh, Mike Pence, when he was governor of Indiana, uh, proposed and tried aggressively tried to pass a law. And I don't recall if it got struck down by the courts or whether it just didn't get passed. But it, it provoked a nationwide movement called Periods for Pence, where women were literally calling Mike Pence's office every month and saying, I just had my period. You don't have to worry. The law that Pence wanted to pass was that if you have a miscarriage, you have mm-hmm. to report yourself to the police. 
so that they can determine whether it was a normal miscarriage or whether you might have induced it. And if you induced it, you're looking at five years in prison. And we have yeah. now, I did this story two days ago in El Salvador, there are literally hundreds of women in prison because they, they, in 1993, they made abortion illegal. And there are literally hundreds of women in prison who simply had miscarriages. And some man mm -hmm. in their life decided that they must have induced an abortion. Virtually none of them, they've got one or two who actually went to an abortionist. Most of these are, were women in mourning because they had lost, what, you know, they were looking forward to a pregnancy. And, uh, you know, so when you hear about, like, this law that Mike Pence tried to pass, and he's still defending it, by the way, and the moral majority, Jerry Falwell, he's gung-ho for this. They want to do this nationally. Um, uh, Billy Graham Jr. is in on this, you know, is, is promoting this now. Pat Robertson's talking about it regularly on his TV show, The 700 Club. When you hear about those kind of laws, having had that experience of growing up in Iran as the Islamic Revolution was happening, do you see any correspondence, or am I just being, is my hair on fire, am I just being hysterical? Well, let, let me tell you, I never heard any of uh, any case. That I've been here for almost 40 years. I never heard any case of somebody, some women get the uh, prison sentence for um, miscarriage. But I know for uh, for sure for uh, abortion, uh, the doctors, um, I've, I've had, we had a uh, neighbor who was a doctor who uh, did the abortion under, you know, under the underground. For a lady, and she got sick, and he had to leave the country immediately in overnight. That was in Iran. Life. It was in Iran at the beginning of the uh, Islamic Revolution. Right. So, uh, uh, actually, I wasn't there. My mom, who was there, and he was her, he was his um, her their uh, their neighbor said that. Yeah. But what what I'm saying that uh, if uh, that gentleman who's worried about prostitution, I'll tell you what, prostitution in Iran is rampant because of these laws, because of bad economy. Women go prostitute for going to college to get their degree. Mm. This is, I, I don't know what part of the, and let me tell you, mechanism of any religion are the same. Doesn't matter, the branding is different. Yeah. Christianity, I come from multi-religion family. Christianity, I want to say, you know, I have, uh, Christian mom, I had a Jewish father, I had Muslim grandfather, I had Baha'i grandfather. Religion does that to you. Anything that is... Uh, well, all three of these are monotheistic religions with male gods. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. <laughs> Say, Hale, I, I, I got to run, but thank you for the call and thanks for sharing your experience thank with us. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Thank my you. pleasure. Keep Great talking to you. Good work. Thank, thank you. you very and th much. And thank you, thank you for watching the program. Janice in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Janice, what's on your mind today? Hey, hello. Hey. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, you're on the air. <laughs> How are you, sir? I am well. How are you today? Oh and what's my on your God, mind? This is, I feel very special talking to you today. I listen to you all the time. I saw you on the Bill Maher show not too long ago, and I hate the fact that everybody was talking more than you. <laughs> well, thank you, Janice. Because, yes, I mean, you're, you're very good at what you do, and I appreciate you standing up for all of us. Thank you. But listen, I, my, my, what I don't understand is you were talking about, they were talking about the abortions and, and women going to jail, and, and I don't understand the target that's always been on women. You know, even in the world of crime, if there's something that you do that's wrong, or uh, you rob a bank, uh, you know, they go after everyone. And the driver of the car, if there's uh, material that someone has stolen, they get the person who sold it, and then they get the person who received it. But when it comes down to prostitution or whatever, they only get the female. Yeah. Which yeah. is just beyond reasonable. Because they're there with someone, and if it's a crime for you to sell, it should be a crime for you to purchase, you know. Yep. And I, I don't get that, but I just wanted to tell you that I just thank you for all the work that you put in, for being steadfast, for bringing us the truth, and for just keeping us informed. Well, thank you, Janice. This is, this is not a Trump uh, cabinet meeting, so it's not necessary to go on, but I, but I do appreciate it. Yeah, your, your kind <laughs> yeah. words are appreciated. And yeah, I, you know, this, this war on women is a really fascinating thing, because... 
Um, I, you know, there are a number of different theories to explain it. Um, uh, an old friend of mine uh, who is a professor of psychiatry at, uh, at Harvard, he and I used to do uh, speeches together on, on uh, ADHD. And uh, he once made the comment to me, the most dangerous drug in the world is not cocaine or heroin, it's testosterone. And I think that there's a lot, you know, he said it's responsible for every war, the vast majority of violence, and, and all kinds of other things. I think that's true on the one hand. On the other hand, though, there are people who suggest that the reason that, women, that men are like this is because they're more fragile than women. They're, they're more emotionally fragile than women, and they're physically more fragile. They, men die younger. And therefore, you know, out of that fragility comes this kind of reactivity. And I don't know what the true story is. I don't know why men are like this, but it seems like it's, it's here, you know. Your thoughts? Well, thank you, thank you so much, sir. I agree. Okay. I Thanks a lot, Janice. Good talking <laughs> with you. I appreciate the call. It's very kind of you. And, and, and this is a big issue, actually. Why is it historically? I mean, this goes back 7,000 years. This literally goes back to the dawn of the ag agricultural era. You want to read a great book about this? Daniel Quinn wrote a book called Ishmael that just lays this all out. That prior to the agricultural revolution, patriarchy was not a thing. In fact, societies were matrilineal, uh, matriarchal and matrilineal, because you knew uh, ancestry by virtue of who gave birth. You, you couldn't be sure who the father was. You always knew who the mother was. And, and, and Iceland, I think, is the only matrilineal society that's still around. And, you know, which is why the last names are always daughter, D-O-T-T-I-R, um, rather than son, like in Norway, you know. So, you know, why is this? Why, why, why this eruption of male gods and male dominance and all this stuff that came along with agriculture that you don't see among indigenous and aboriginal societies who are still living as hunter-gatherers? It's a fascinating sociological question, anthropological question. I don't have any answer to. Take one atom of nitrogen and bond it with one atom of oxygen, and boom, you just created nitric oxide, a miracle molecule your own body makes that fuels your cardiovascular health, keeping you vibrant. But as we all age, our bodies need help generating more natural nitric oxide. Superbeets by Human N has harnessed the power of nutrient-enriched beets and created a superfood that helps your body make more nitric oxide on its own. The core philosophy of Human N is to develop heart-healthy products for your body. One teaspoon of Superbeats daily supports your cardiovascular health and blood pressure levels, giving you natural energy without the need of a quick caffeine kick or sugar high. We're talking real. We're talking healthy, natural energy. Call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats and free shipping with your first purchase. Feel the 1 plus 1 equals boom effect of Superbeats. Call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. Our book today is Microtrends Squared by Mark Penn. The first chapter, The Building Blocks of Change Today, The Power of Microtrends. We live in a microtrends world. It's driven by granular, often opposite patterns of human behavior that seem small but punch above their size. We've identified these powerful patterns as microtrends, and the world is full of them. Together, they are the dots of a global impressionist painting that comes to life when you step back and look at it holistically. These forces have only become more impactful in recent years, and they've started to upend society. Ten years ago, when I first identified these patterns and change in microtrends, I saw a world of boundless opportunities. I was over-the-top optimistic about how microtrends would produce a new world of personalized products on our shelf and how in Washington they would produce an even greater selection of fresh, first-rate political choices. Of course, that's not exactly what happened. Instead, the information age has given away to the disinformation age in which fake information abounds. The nation founded on free speech is grappling with how to live with free speech in the era of the Internet troll. The optimism around our economy faded with the unexpected crash of 2008, followed by a historically slow recovery over a decade. Only now is it recovering. Unparalleled consumer choice is leading not to the growth of more startups, but to the dominance of just a few Internet companies, which are amassing more and more power on the basis of data gleaned from willing but unknowing consumers. And the older generations, who in their youth, in their own youth, led a rebellion, have now dug in their heels against the politics and culture of today's new generations. What makes the microtrend such a powerful tool in this moment is that it can unpack and explain changes that we're seeing that otherwise make no sense. On the surface, for example, the middle class 
can seem to be shrinking, and this is alarming. But it is only by digging deeper and seeing that education is driving more people into the upper classes that we can come to understand these overall statistics at a more molecular level. Often, two diametrically opposed trends are occurring at the same time, which would be invisible in the averages, but which leap out when understood as the result of a cauldron of microtrends. Today in politics, for example, there is no overall, overall ideological shift. Instead, one group of moderate, moderates became more conservative and another group became more liberal, causing society to become both more liberal and more conservative at the same time, essentially canceling each other out. This increased polarization then produces even more gridlock and confusion. We can see similar tugs and pulls throughout society. While one group seeks more technology, another one wants to sit in the Amtrak quiet car. Some can't sit through a six-second commercial. Others spend hours and hours binge-watching TV. Some live in a world of globalization, while others yearn for a return to greater nationalism. To explain all this, we've borrowed from Newtonian physics. For every trend, there is a counter-trend. It's human nature in the information age. Every move or desire in one direction seems to inspire a counter-move by another group in the opposite direction. For every radical group, there's a new conservative group. For every new product in mobile technology, there are those sticking to the flip phone. Only by understanding the complexity of these developments can we make sense of a world that seems senseless, confused, and even jumbled. While in 20, 2007, microtrends allowed you to navigate the changes of the day, new, now microtrends squared lets you better understand the emerging chaos as the seesawing of opposite forces fighting for dominance in the social, political, and cultural worlds. In the last decade, technology was able to exploit and even conquer the world of microtrends with its ability to customize products and our lives based on AI and big data. But even as these attempts have transformed our lifestyles, they've also led to some serious unintended consequences that have further clouded society. Microtrends disentangles many of these shifts and lies at the source of many battles for power that have disrupted our world today. As you'll see throughout this book, those ongoing battles will result in some very unlikely winners, losers, and shifts in the overall power match of society. The book Microtrends Squared. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Bob Nay with Talk Media News is on the line with us. Our news report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and loving what you do, Ellen Rentner's new book, and you're the author of Sideswiped. So, Bob, what's the latest? What's going on? Well, of course, as you know, they are going to have the procedural vote, and that probably means that the vote will be occurring in, on Saturday unless something pops up and they have trouble. Then he could keep, uh, McConnell could keep them over Saturday or Sunday. Uh, you know, a, a big deal's been made about the rules for viewing, and, you know, uh, look, uh, things are going to uh, most likely leak out anonymously, of course, as we know. Uh, I think that uh, if, if it be known, including Republicans, Tom, uh, they would like to have had this report made public, which it could have been made public, and then the public could take a look at it and, right. you know, make a decision on it. But as we know, that's probably never, ever going to happen. Well, it's also, you know, it's kind of weird that they would not make it public if it is so exculpatory. Um, on the other hand, if it's incriminating, that makes sense why they would cover it up. Uh, you know, when the when the FBI investigated Hillary Clinton's emails, they, the FBI held a press conference and released all of their, uh, you know, Correct. the 302 forms, all of their interrogations of witnesses. Well, that's right. Which, of course, now, proved nothing. Right. There's still some wild cards in here, though, because, uh, as you know, Senator Collins was pretty upset about uh, uh, President Trump and the mocking of uh, Dr. Ford. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, uh, the talk of the Hill, which I don't know who's talking out publicly about this, but, you know, the talk of the Hill is his demeanor, and also the fact that, uh, yes, some of the people that they have spoken to may have not had a direct bearing on whether they verified, you know, he was or wasn't at a party. But obviously, friends have spoke out saying they are friends of his, but also, and I'm not trying to be judgmental here, I'd be the last person to be judgmental on this issue, but uh, people have spoken out that, you know, his version of what he did a little bit of drinking is not reality. Yeah. Okay. What else is going on in the world, Bob? Sure. Well, a lot of talk uh, wrapping in Kavanaugh and the Supreme Court. And I, I found it very interesting because a couple of surveys have come out, and it says this is exciting the base. Uh, 
mm. you know, of the Republican Party. But uh, I did want to note on that. It may be exciting the base of the Republican Party, all right? And it might be like comparable to dropping a political grenade in the middle of everything. Don't you think this, but, this is largely the result of the millions and millions of dollars that the uh, right-wing Koch-funded uh, Judicial Crisis Network is spending on advertisements all over the country, and uh, particularly on cable news, saying, uh, all the witnesses say he wasn't there, he's being smeared, a good man is being destroyed, uh, et cetera? Well, sure. It is, and you know, and what's ironic, as you know, they wanted Amy Barrett anyway. They didn't want him, mm. but you know, he's now in the middle of this. But I want to point out something about that. There might be uh, an excitement of the base, although the base may not be eighty or ninety percent excited. But they, they, there might be an excitement of the base. But there is still a factor that has to. This is the caution. I would say, if I was advising them, which I'm not. Uh, this doesn't mean that the GOP's problem are solved at all. They have a major problem with independent voters. Mm -hmm. So if the Democratic base turns out to vote, which is what you know has to happen, and even with the excitement of the Republican base over this specific issue, because they weren't very excited before this, as you know, right. uh, because of the lack of action by the Republicans after two years, but the independent voters are still in a fundamental shift away from the Republicans. So they are up for grabs in the midterms. And I think that, you know, these polls and things that are out there, uh, although this week was a good week for the Democrat side, Tom, because the Democratic side, um, it, some seats from the Cook report, which is pretty reliable, are mm. shifting towards the Democratic side yeah. on some seats. Although, you know, the, the, these these polls, I, I suspect, Bob, I mean, the Koch brothers are dro dropping $300 million that we know of in this election. Mm -hmm. And most of it is probably going to come in October. And I'm expecting to see some real radical swings. We've already seen them in, in North Dakota with Heidi Heitkamp. We've seen them with Claire McCaskill sure. in Missouri. Both of them were at one point way ahead. Now they're underwater as a result right. of these, you know, millions and millions of dollars of being money. sent by right-wing billionaires. Yeah, out-of-state money. And so there has to be a voter turnout. Voter turnout has, is, is going to be critical. On the progressive side. but I mean, there's an yes. enormous amount of money being put into voter turnout on the sure. conservative side. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not certain that we're going to see a blue wave. I, you know, I think that we really need to get people to vote. I, th I think it's 50-50 right now. Yeah, I agree. Bob Nay, uh, author of Sideswiped, Talk Media News. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Uh, Ron in Columbus, Ohio. Ron, thanks. I see you've been waiting for an hour to get on. What's up? You do an incredible job of providing a commentary on, on what's going on. But there's an implication of that. Go for it. Uh, my, but I believe I would. a lot of your other listeners would have to share this with me. My head's about ready to explode. I absolutely refuse to be helpless. But to, and to maintain my sanity and, 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 and to act as a patriot, I've got to move past being outraged and come down to practical action. Now, you mentioned a couple times today big influx of Coke money in October. Right. They're Coke trying to buy the country. Well, they largely own the Republican Party, including at the state level. Now, they've got all, you know, every, every single state has one of these Coke-funded uh, organizations that supports state legislators and gets them elected. Right, Alec. Well, it's not just Alec. It's called the Dayton Network or something. How do we fight back against that money? And that brings me to a direct question is how much money should I contribute out of my modest financial resources? They have more money. They have had more money since uh, since basically the late late 80s, uh, you know, when this thing really kicked into gear. Reagan brought these folks into the political world. The, actually, the, the thing that s set it up for them was the 1976 Supreme Court decision, Buckley versus Vallejo, which for the first time in the history of the United States, up until that point, money and politics had been regulated. In fact, in 1907, Teddy Roosevelt got the Tilden Act passed that said that corporations cannot give money to federal candidates. It's illegal. This is what Tom DeLay down in Texas got nailed for. And with this Buckley decision in 76, they blew that out of the water. They, they repealed basically that decision or that, uh, that law, that federal law. And, hey, and then Citizens it, United blew it, it even farther open. I'm sorry, go ahead. I got it. I have a direct response here. I have something you can do now. Yeah. Well, uh, my, my the, point is they're always going to have more money. What they don't have is people in the streets and people the at the voting booth. But this is, but let's stick with the money for a minute. The attack on Medicare and Social Security allows me to make a direct calculation. What would it cost to support my parents without Social Security? What would it cost for my own retirement without, with big chunks being taken out of it? Already they're going after the administration or Social Security. Yeah, I can move past patriotism. I can move past morality. 
I figure it's uh, just like the Koch brothers now. I'm in the same position. It's worth my while to invest one-half to one percent of my net worth. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I sat down with a napkin and figured that out. And that's how much money we intend to contribute are Whoa. contributing okay. to either Democratic candidates directly, yeah. ones that are real progressives, to our revolution, or to even to the Democratic Party if I get that desperate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you, if your is, question is, is where where does that money most most effective? It's most effective being given to individual candidates to their campaigns. Although your limit on that, I think, is twenty seven hundred dollars. Well, that's true, but if I go to our revolution, I don't... Uh, right, you can, you can support political action committees, and our revolution has been very effective. This is the, uh, the remnants of the Bernie campaign, and right. they are supporting progressive candidates all over the country, and they're doing a great job. There's other great organizations that are issue-specific, like MoveToAmend.org, Progressive Democrats of America, PDAmerica.org, that are doing great work, that are worthy of support. There's an embarrassment of riches in, in terms of great organizations. The Progressive Change Committee, PCCC.org, the point is, the bottom line in all this stuff is, if you want to, if you're sitting like I am here, basically screaming. I mean, again, your commentary is fantastic, but my head's exploding, and I, I, I don't drink enough wine to. <laughs> to <solve laughs> I'm getting there today. <laughs> so, so uh, this, if you really want to fight back, and I, we, we call our congressmen all the time, and I tell you, the point where they get very, very quiet. Trust me, was when I brought this up. And I said, okay, here's how I'm measuring my contributions from now on. So, listen, one, thank one, you very much. Yeah, one half of 1% of your net worth you're giving to, to preserve Social Security and Medicare. That's extraordinary, Ron. Ron, thanks a lot for the call, and thanks for listening to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. That includes you. Get out there, get active, tag. You're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.